Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Stephen the Warman Writes Kickfighting Podcast Show. I'm your host, Stephen the Warman. You are listening to this show in various ways, but the most common are to go to my blog, lordgaul.podbean.com, or go to the most efficient way by entering Warman Kickfighting Show into your iTunes search engine. So it's the uh, year end show, and um, uh, it's funny because. Of all the times that I've ever done this, I've always sat down and kind of had fun with the fighter of the year as far as kickboxing goes. It's a real easy one to look up. It's a real easy one to have a resume on because after a full year, kickboxers fight, you know, five, six times, you know, in a year. So you've got good resume to do it. This year is the most difficult year I've ever had. Like, it is a tough one. And um, I have been... uh, going back and forth and going through Wikipedia's and just trying to figure out how I wanted to do the fighter of the year. Uh, I did end up choosing a guy, but um, it just kind of made me laugh at this is, you know, what this year became. Before we even get started, go ahead and jump into um, some of the action as uh, the, you know, annual New Year's Eve show went down in um, Japan and this year Risen had it uh, in the past, K1's had it in the past. Um, uh, various organizations of mixed martial arts, uh, Pride and so on, have done shows around that time. So it's got a lot of history and it's a lot of fun when people go check that out. So basically I wanted to bring that up as a... uh, It's important that we continue that tradition and I'm glad that even though it was a mostly mixed martial arts show, we had some really good kickboxing action on it. Uh, It starts off with Tenshin Nasukawa as he gets a victory over Kumandoi. Tough one. Uh, the, the reason why I say it in terms of uh, clearly, um, Kumundoe is probably the most legitimate resume guy uh, that Tension has fought in a while and has beaten. You know, I think the guys that he was given in Rise were definitely to his. You know, uh, he was the better by far going in, and and of course, you know, with the tides is really popular. But Kumundoe was uh, Kumundoe was moving up in weight to take on the bigger man, but. Outside of that dump in round one that uh, Kumundai got, Tenshin did a good job of scoring, and, and he's a really good athlete, and he's able to go in and out and find his offense consistently. And, you know, I, I thought Kumundai had some really good moments, but, you know, I, I like Tenshin winning the fight. And it is good that this fight happened, but I'd say the biggest news that came from it is there was talk of Risen doing a Tokyo Dome show. And then there was talk that K1 would be down to join them in that show, which means that Tension versus Takuro is back on everyone's lips. So if you're going to do a show that big, you got to do those guys. Um, it's weird how they'll work that out, you know, as far as rules and rounds. Do you really want that to be a three-rounder? To me, you got to make that your five-rounder if you do it. But that's just, you know, we're three years into that talk. And the thing about it is this. Both guys are still young enough for, of course, clearly Tension's, you know, situ- you know uh, case. Both guys are young enough so that, to me, it's not too old. Uh, and they've both still been winning. Now the uh, Leona Pettis thing will go a long way. You know, that, that will go a long way. If Takuro wins that one, and the table is set. If uh, he loses that one, he'll have to get a win there before we can get back to the tension uh, fight. But it's going to be better for the kickboxing world if that fight can happen unhindered. You know, like that's a big one. So um, definitely excited about the... Uh, the fighters and people who they have on the card and uh, the athletes and 
I'm excited for the uh, the idea of what that could be with those guys merging uh, the the action that could come from that. So you know, it was really really uh, cool to see, and um, uh, I'm hoping as we move forward as a company that stuff like that can happen. Um, mergers this company versus this company's talent, and and I understand that it is not. How do you say it's it's not going to be common because you know how do you make money you know how do you make money if you continue to kind of sell your brand in that way uh, it's always going to be to your benefit if you do your own show and make your own product bigger but man if you can merge and come together not all the time just every once in a while put on a super super exciting super super you know uh, at, you know excellent. Uh, uh, combo card where the best in one brand fights the best in the other maybe just two guys or maybe just three guys i just think that it would be awesome if they could make it happen that's just my personal opinion i think it'd be awesome if they could make it happen but the uh tension nasakawa after coming off of a very very strong you know win here just knocked down in the in the fight um he did what he did he showed his superior skill and speed and um and size and he he really really set the stage for what's going to be a really, really cool run. So I'm excited to see Tension Nascow move forward, and uh, we will go on with the other fight of note here. Now, I've mentioned him maybe one other time on the podcast, and I apologize for doing that. No, it's, it had to have been more than one other time, but I mentioned him before, but... Um, my goodness, sorry, I'm sliding my notes down, sliding my notes down, sliding my notes down, and here we go. Nadaka. Nadaka went out there, and, I mean, there's no other way for it. He put on what can only be described as an absolute steamroll performance. Like, he is, he went against uh, Fat Mele, uh, and I expected some resistance from Pat Mele. I thought that he'd have some moments, but, you know, I really thought that, he had a uphill climb, to say the least, especially in this situation and, you know, with this product. But I thought that he had an uphill battle, to say the least, to go against uh, Nadaka. Like, he's just a very, very... Uh, um, Ishinari Nadaka is a super talented, young, up-and-coming fighter for the future. Someone that we, we want to see moving down the road. We want to see him continue to develop his brand, continue to win. And I've mentioned him before, but the stage matters, okay? The stage is everything. And on this stage, he got an opportunity, he got a good crowd, he had good viewers, and I'm going down my Twitter wall, and all I hear is, this Yoshinari Nadaka is absolutely smashing out there. Uh, complete whooping, not even close, three knockdowns. Uh, I love the slick elbow one that he did when he had the trap. Uh, I love the one that he did in the corner. Like, he's just a super talented guy. Like, he's, I'm excited to see what his future's going to be. Moving forward with Nadaka, um... He then gets on the mic and he says he wants to fight Tenshin Nasukawa. And that's everything. That's what the game is. It is the one generation preparing to go against the next generation. And that's what pushes the sport forward. So I'm hoping that we get, and again, not next generation in terms of one generation is older and one generation is younger. I'm saying the next generation is seeing the guys who people are, you know, feel are popular or feel are successful. And they're asking for those opportunities. And in this situation, Nadaka goes out there, puts on a blitzing performance, and then he asks for the most popular guy. Uh, that is what we need in the sport. We need to push it. And I'm really excited for the athletes uh, that get themselves in that position. 
and really say, let's go for it. And he's conscious. He said, hey, I don't know how long he's going to be doing, you know, uh, MMA, you know, he, or excuse me, kickboxing. He might move into MMA full time. Of course, when people see those UFC checks, it seems to be the direction that a lot of people want to go. But while we have him and kickboxing, I would love it. You know, kickboxing Muay Thai, I'd love it if they could put this fight together. So we'll go ahead and move from there and go straight into my year in review. So clearly story of the year, unquestioned, unchallenged. COVID. COVID's the story of the year. It is K1 had several shows set up uh, that had to be canceled. They snuck one in in March, and then after that, they had to cancel several shows. Uh, Glory Kickboxing, they had to cancel several shows. Uh, shut down, had some movement as far as management and, and figures in those roles, but they had a shutdown too. They finally made the return to December, but that means there was no show for them from February to December. It's a long gap. Even the stadiums had trouble. Um, they shut down. They made their return, I want to say, in late June. So uh, one championship, their kickboxing. They had opportunities later in the year where they've been doing consistent shows now with no crowds, but uh, they too have been working through it and COVID and fighting all that. So um, that's the story. It's how you dealt with it. It's how you moved around. It's were you able to get shows. Glory continued to struggle to get shows. Uh, Barter got COVID. That pushed things. Um, you know, the their government in Holland as far as doing, you know, shows like that. It's just been rough. You know, it's been rough for everyone. It's been rough all over. It is a difficult situation to uh, navigate. And I think people did their best in these situations. And gratefully, there were very few announcements of COVID deaths in the kickboxing community. Um, so we're grateful there. Don't know overall in the fight world. I've heard of them, but I just not too many in kickboxing, but that was the story. When you look back on this year, I would say not since the year that K1 did not do a heavyweight world grand prix. This has been the most, uh, disappointing year in kickboxing just because like that is so, it was such a blow. And then to have the shows canceled was such a blow. So these are the two years I think that will stand out in my mind. Uh, you know, as I grow old, uh, and I say, man, those years were disappointing in terms of the kickboxing product putting its best foot forward. We just didn't get a, not, a lot of action, and guys who do this for a living were not able to do it. So definitely disappointed that that happened, but also super excited that uh, we're moving into 2021 with most of those companies figuring out how they want to do this, and and you know the vaccine starting to slowly go out. So hopefully by the summer, you know, late summer. We're back on track and we look the way we want to look. Not saying that that's going to happen, but COVID definitely dominated 2020. And uh, we're hoping that we move forward well after that. So I'm going to go ahead and jump into some of my awards. Upset of the year. Um, for me, it was easy. Uh, I like Jamie Bates versus Rock Gregorian. Now, I say that because... Um, now, again, everybody's different. Everybody has their opinion. Everybody has what they like and what they prefer, and I don't want to take away from it if that's your, your thing. The reason why I like this is at some period of time, the title picture's got to change with a new name. And at the top of the Glory Welterweight division, uh, we had it about three years ago when you know you had Nicky Holtzkin at the top, and he had the kickboxing advantage over most of the people, and then all of a sudden, enter Cedric Dombe. He's the name that you're not used to hearing, works his way, and actually lost his Glory debut, Gets Gungulu, and then worked his way back, and you know uh, the rematch was very much in his favor, and he just picked up his kickboxing skill and that got him to the title, and he picked up his KOs that's got him inter, you know international recognition. 
but he was a new name in it. And at the time, the names were Raymond Daniels and and uh, Nicky Holtzkin and uh, Joseph Altolini. So those were the guys who were sitting atop the division. Flash forward, you know, Nicky Holtzkin's still doing it. Dombey comes in there. Uh, then, of course, in that very not, you know, kind of an ugly fight, but Mirtha Grunhardt uh, enters into the conversation. And then Mirtha has the fight with Rock Gregorian. So Gregorian gets the title, then Gregorian loses the title. But, like, the names in the division are Gregorian, Dombey, Grunhardt. So we needed to get someone else into that conversation. You know, uh, Alim Dubayev also in that conversation. Uh, but we needed to get someone else in that conversation. When Jamie Bates won, that was accomplished. You know, he is uh, a very, very talented guy. Uh, he's got an interesting style, but he didn't have a fight to showcase or a win on his resume to showcase um, what he could do as a fighter. Like, like that's... Uh, um, that is something that everybody wants to accomplish in this game. It's it's you, you want to win, and then you want the profile win that moves you into bigger money opportunities and bigger fight opportunities. So in that particular day, um, I thought that was accomplished. I thought that uh, they really did put on a good show. They really did um, fight, and you could see that the, the frustration, and you could see that... Uh, there was a battle back from, you know, the long-time, you know, uh, I won't say long-time champion, but long-time title contender, one-time champion. It was really cool to see, but um, in the end, the skilled, strange, awkward defensive style, the teeps, the, the offsetting, Jamie Bates did a really good job, you know, and I was trying to figure out um, how I could showcase and, and get more people excited for what he's going to be. Uh, and, um, I don't know if this fight got that kind of buzz, you know, I kind of, as I talk about this, I'm like, man, I don't know if people left that fight thinking, okay, this is the fight to push the game forward, or this is the fight to make everybody get, fall in love with him. I don't think that was accomplished, but I think he went from not being in the title picture to being a guy in the middle to outside of the glory title picture to getting himself into legitimate talks for let's see him against Alinda Bayev, let's see him against some of the top guys. So a really good job for him. The other upset of the year I have is Alicia Rodriguez against Stamp Vertex. And I don't blame Stamp for this very much. I told you guys this before. I think that they thought that they had something in a star with her. And they were really pushing her and trying to make her brand and trying to make her you know, very, very popular. Like, they're trying to put, they feel like between, uh, you know, her looks and her walkouts where she's doing the dancing and the way she fights, I think that they thought they had something special there. And I think she is a talent. But the other girls are getting breaks and they're getting to train and they're getting to prepare and they're getting full camps. Whereas she is a girl that's in the gym all the time and she's not getting two months to prepare for one person. She's going from MMA to... Uh, kickboxing to Muay Thai and she's just doing it so when you fought her she's already fought four times five times in the last you know three months before it because she was a star that they were trying to push I don't think that did her any favors as she goes against tougher opposition when you go against tougher people you want a little bit more of a breather you want a little bit more separation because you want to go out there and really put on a good show so Alicia uh, Rodriguez who was blessed to have this opportunity because she uh, 
uh, as a foreign that went over to Thailand and she's living out there and the opportunity comes up so she can fight as an international fighter, uh, but it's made possible because she's already out there. They weren't flying anybody in, so that's why the first one championship shows were all there in Thailand and uh, they were able to make this fight happen just on a whim and to that credit, she was able to get that victory. Now it's, you know, uh, Tatsina um, Srinson, same thing. Like a, a lot of people were looking to get that upset, but it's not necessarily who gets it, it's when it's gotten. So she's tough, and she's had some losses recently, uh, and I think Stamp will be back, but I do think they need to help her a little bit with building her brand. Just being on TV all the time doesn't push you. It's the right type of win, and there's got to be some separation in there. So I'm really, really excited to see you know, how Stamp, you know, bounces back in 2021. Um, you know, uh, I think Wonder Girl's gotten a little bit of her buzz, but I do think that Stamp is very, very good. But I think that Alicia Rodriguez put on a good performance, was ready for the moment when it came. Uh, the only unfortunate thing with her was after she got the win, they haven't used her, you know. So whether they do a rematch or they do something else, it's like, it's almost like beating Stamp is like the end of your career, you know, because <laughs> Janet Todd hasn't been used as much. And it's like now, again, that has the barrier of the flights. But it's uh, uh, I'm hoping that they can do more with Alicia and she'll be back into it. Hoping. Go ahead and move back into my list. Um, after upset a year, I think I'll go with K over the year. For me, this is clear. This is clear. This is easy. There's no doubt in my mind who should win this one. Uh, Minoru Kimura over uh, Eder Lopez uh, or Lopes. That was one of the most stunning one-punch knockouts I've ever seen. They're both throwing right hands at the same time. Uh, of course, we already everybody knows that Minoru Kimura is as you know beastly as it comes. He like barely kicks. He goes out there, looks for his power offense. But that right hand it landed smooth, and Eder was froze up as he went to the ground. And now I've seen some pretty cool head kick ones out there and stuff like that. But if you said on the year. What's the one that really stood out to me? Minoru Kimura over Edgar Lopes. Lopez was just an absolute stunning power, one-punch one KO. Uh, of course, then it went on, Minoru then went on to win the uh, K1 World Grand Prix, Grand Prix at 70 kgs. Uh, clearly, that level of 70 kg opposition is not what we're used to in the past, but they need to build a star out of him, and uh, he's got the look, he's got the, uh, uh, the style, People gravitate towards him, speaks fluent Spanish, or excuse me, uh, fluent uh, Portuguese and um, uh, Japanese. So hopefully they keep building on that because he's a tough kid and uh, that KO was just one punch kill. Like that was just amazing. Go back into our list for fight of the year. Got two of them. Number one, uh, I've got two of them. One for the uh, kickboxing and one for Muay Thai. Antonio Pazabat versus Nordin Mahadine. Uh, they put on a great show. They put on a great show. It's one of those fights where it's like, I always say that a war is when the the offensive aggression and effectiveness of both guys is equal from both sides. That's kind of what makes that happen. Like if you take offense and you're so determined to give offense back, if there's that I'm not going backwards, if there's that you know fighting exchange, you're confident in the offense that you're going to throw even though the other person's confident in the offense that they're going to throw, and neither of you decide that, okay, the thing to do in between is to, to punch and move. Now, you guys decide that somebody has to die. And I think that that's kind of what happened here, and both guys put on a great show. Now, a lot of people were upset about the judging because they thought that Nordin should have uh, won in the uh, regulation. 
But Plazabot did battle back, and, you know, Nordine took it in the extra round extension. It's just full hardcore action from beginning to the end. It's a great, great fight. Uh, and um, definitely, for me, fight of the year for the kickboxing world. Next one was a little bit tougher. Uh, Saxon versus Konklai. Uh, people had been sending me footage of fights, but I like this one because I like the name recognition. So the round two in particular, it's probably round of the year between these two, but round two, three, uh, Konklai got up, really scored well, really slick with his offense. Like round one and early round two, I was like, dude, this looks like a tie Petrosian. Like that's kind of how his rhythm is. And then all of a sudden they started banging it out, finding elbows. Saxon realized he was down. He realized he was getting... Uh, normally with the ties, when that body kick comes, you see the check and the kick return, or you see the catch and the kick return. Konklai is just so talented and just so good with this timing. His offset, he just pops it in there, gets a score to the body, clean steps to the side. And um, I think that Saxon did a good job of battling back. Uh, there were points where it looked like Konklai was slowing down, in particular in the late third and in the fourth. But in the fifth, when Saxon was down, he was still coming forward. Konklai ran him into a lot of offense. Uh, and um, made sure that he secured the victory. Uh, great fight, great back and forth. I know there are people out there who probably have different tie fights for fight of the year, and I've seen some of those fights, but it's not just that you have a great fight, it's the name recognition attached to the great fight. So uh, if the undercard of a glory fight is awesome, but the main event is awesome, I will lean towards the main event because the main event's probably got title implications. And that's how I felt here. So Saxon still did a good job. Uh, but Konklai, he's the truth. Very, very, very talented. So we'll move to there. And we will go to female fight of the year. And I gave it to Wonder Girl. Clearly, we don't have a huge resume. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we got like Anissa Mexican fought like once. And um, uh, we have, uh, um, I mentioned Stamps up and down. I mentioned Alicia Rodriguez's, you know, getting the upset. But I felt like Wonder Girl, with her victories and with the buzz and push behind her and the the way she's selling herself, whatever, I thought that she was the girl that I would most want to pay attention to if I revisited the 2020 year. So hopefully she can build on that. She is talented. Some period of time, something's got to help the, the rise, though. You know, she's going to have to, there's got to be maybe a stamp matchup, and that's going to be a little bit tougher because, you know, Jim. Uh, and uh, maybe she gets the Janet Todd, and even though they, there might be weight given up or, or weights, you know, uh, sacrificed to make it happen, there needs to be something to build her brand. Maybe they can make a Kana fight happen or something like that. It, it, I understand the obstacles and bringing in elite female names because there aren't a lot of elite female names, but if you've got a star and you're trying to build them, there has to be something more than they won this week. You know, it's either got to be an exceptional, awesome kill job as a, you know, uh, um, stoppage to move them forward. And she's got some really good stoppages. Or it's got to be, you know this name, she beat that name. And that's kind of the direction that we have to head in at some point. For my male fighter of the year uh, for kickboxing, um, this is difficult. Been looking at it forever. And I decided to go with. My son, Masaki Nori, he gets the nod. Why? Because he's got two wins in a year, which is something really tough. I was leaning for uh, Nicholas uh, Leona Pettis. That's where I was going originally because he defended the Crush Championship. So I was like, man, that might be the direction to go. But if I'm saying international kickboxer, I think Masaki Nori, who beat David Mejia, and he also beat Victor uh, Tofanelli 
those are two guys, one Brazil, one Spain, who at least builds onto an international resume. Now, I'm not saying it's a huge kickboxing year. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that Masaki Nori was way better than everybody else. Uh, but, you know, I would have given it to Yuta Kubo if he fought one more time, you know, because he got the Jordan Piquet victory, and that's, that's a big-time victory. If he gave me one more fight, I would have went in that direction. And then there were the, the guys who won the K1 tournament. I really leaned towards some of those guys because I got at least three wins of the year. But I decided to go with Masaki Nori, uh, who... Continues his rise. He's been, you know, our, our his um, reign, at, you know, as one of the best guys in the division um, since uh, 2018. He's only got the one loss to Jordan Piquet, and that was still very, very competitive and very entertaining. Um, he's a tough guy, so I leaned in his direction. Now I'm going to finish the show in a way that I've never finished a podcast show. I always finish with the kickbox of the year as the kind of fight of the year to take note of. Not this year. For the first time since I've been doing this podcast, 12 years, first time since I've been doing my kickfighting uh, uh, year in kickboxing highlights since 2012 or 2011 was my first one, I have decided that the fighter of the year period is also the stadium fighter of the year. And for me, that is Konklai Annie Muay Thai. And I have just talked about him in the Saxon fight, but this kid, he's the future. Like, he is... 22 years old. Most importantly, he's been winning the 140, the, the history of 140, uh, Kla and many others. Uh, that that weight class is, for me, one of the golden weight classes in the top, for the stadiums. If you win 140, or if you win 126, or if you win 118, those are like, the implications of those guys are usually considered the best in the world. Also throw in 130, uh, you know, around that range too. Um, but usually you're going to find your best high fighters in the country and the world in those weight classes. And not only was he one of the uh, best guys, but he did it in a way where I was like, okay, this guy didn't just show me that he's good. He showed me that he could stop people, and that's important. So he gets the, uh, in a very, very, you know, rough fight, a tie fight. Uh, he got the Rachasing uh, KO, and they were going back and forth, and I thought that Raja Singh actually did a good job landing offense, but he just kept giving up the big hooks from Kung Kai, and Kung Kai continued to build on it, find his elbow opportunities, big-time elbow KO uh, at the end of that one. Saxon, he stops in the Raja Stadium, uh, Rajaman Stadium back in Bangkok uh, in the fourth round, the right cross, very, very awesome stuff there. Then they do the rematch, and the rematch is the fight I mentioned, the uh, Sam Omnoy Stadium fight, and just battling out, battling out, great action, and then he comes out on top again, as I explained earlier in the podcast. So look at that. Of course, he's got other stadium wins, but this brother this year was able to get five fights in and uh, was able to win against really high-level opposition, and he's kind of stole hearts. Like People think there's something special with this kid, so some of them to watch. Also, if they ever do want to move him internationally and let him fight for one of those organizations, really, really good chance that he is picked up because he doesn't just play the game. He, he fights if he has to fight, and that's important. And I've talked about that before. I actually think with him and Wang Tai, we're starting to move in the direction where Tai's are, uh, maybe it's the Western influence getting there a little bit more, but they are not just playing the game anymore. That's still involved in there, but I'm noticing that the clinch, even though it's important, there's a lot more elbow play in there. There's a lot more boxing exchange in there. So as the game moves into a different direction, uh, I think that he could be one of the guys to help it. And to me, that's your best chance of getting back to your golden age of Muay Thai. 
the best chance of getting back to that day. Uh, now, again, those guys got really good purses, and the betting is really going to, you know, change how a lot of these fights happen. But as far as that feel that you got, I would say we're moving in a direction with some of the fighters of the year. Uh, they are bringing the KO power, and they're bringing more exchanges and more offense and less clinch. So no offense to the clinch people, your Ponpayaks, your Petch Boonchus. Those guys all are amazing fighters with amazing skill set, and they've got really good clinch. But in terms of how the Western world looks at kickboxing and Muay Thai action, there is a much better chance for a Anawat slash Pornsenai style to go over for years and years and years than there would be for someone who plays the game a little bit. That's just me being real, you know. And uh, I think when I look at the last time I feel like there was huge, huge buzz going into a stadium fight, the last time I felt that, for me personally, was during the Anawat reign. Like, There's just so many, and of course the betting comes into play there, but there were so much people with so much buzz for, he's either going to win by KO or lose by decision. And I felt like it was a different feel to it. Some of the fighters that are coming around, like I said with Muang Thai and, and uh, Kong Klai, there's a feel to them that, hey, when, when the crowds come back, you know, uh, could these guys usher in a new generation of much more violent exchange style Muay Thai? And what will that do to the fight world? So, but yep, yeah, that's what I'm going to finish my show on Konkai. Super talented guy. Excited to see him in the future. If they do want to move him into, you know, a glory rules or a one championship, he could do it. You know, he's that talented. So thanks everybody for listening to my podcast. I want to thank you guys. Have a happy new year. I will be back next week in my regular Monday slot. And when I go to that slot, I'll probably preview what I think is going to happen in the coming year and what I'd like to see happen in the coming year. So thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. Thanks for following it. God bless. Be safe out there. Be safe out there for people who are enjoying their New Year's Eve festivities. And I'm excited to uh, bring you guys more kickboxing action in the year to come. God bless.